Take your Bibles, if you will, look in the Gospel of John, chapter 18. John, chapter 18. When the time we get to this chapter, the Lord Jesus has been arrested. The high priestly prayer of Christ is in chapter 17, and where he prays for us. And then in 18, the trial begins to move along. And there's a question that's going to be asked. Uh, they're accusing Jesus of a lot of different things. Uh, accusing him of being a king. And he is. He's king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, when, they, when they asked him, was he trying to take the place of Caesar? Really what he was saying is, Caesar's too small. <laughs> I can't fit in that spot. But in verse number 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. That, that tells me and testifies to me, by the way, that uh, our weapons are spiritual weapons. We're not interested in a revolt or a revolution, those kinds of things. By the way, the I mentioned that news article this morning. I found out that was a compilation of some things. Some of it was worse than I thought, but it, it wasn't quite as many pedophiles arrested as I thought. I want to correct myself on that. I'm, I'm in the truth business, not the lying business. Verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. Now, he wasn't saying, you're saying that, I'm not saying that. He was saying, you are telling the truth by saying that. That, that was a euphemistic statement uh, that, of that time. And so, art thou king? Thou sayest, I am, and yes, I am, you're speaking the truth. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? When he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and saith unto them, I find no fault in him at all. If you'll notice in chapter 19 and verse 4, I find no fault in him. Chapter 19 and verse 6, I find no fault in him. That was Pilate's testimony. I find no fault in him. I see nothing wrong. He's done nothing to deserve death. And yet Pilate had him killed, had him scourged, which was a horrible thing to begin with, and then had him nailed to a cross. You see, Pilate wasn't sure what truth was. Pilate's measure of truth was a moving target. Truth does not move. We're going to look at some things tonight about that and try to answer that question. What is truth? May we pray. Father, as we bow our heads and hearts before Thee, we're humbled. Lord, as the choir was singing, I just began to imagine seeing heaven. Lord, that stirs my soul to think about home. Father, we are so blessed as Christians. Help us not to live beneath our blessings. Help us to live up to them. To recognize that this world is not our home. 
that we're not going to fit in. We just might as well accept it. We're not going to fit in. Lord, give us grace. Help us to live for you and to honor you with all that we say and all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. I looked up the word truth. You can look it up on a dictionary. It means conformity to fact or actuality. Does this story have any truth would be a question you'd ask. In other words, is there a real fact involved with it? That's why you can't trust the news media anymore. You don't know if they got facts or not, if they've created something. Uh, Truth is, second definition is reality or actuality. In truth, he was not qualified for the job. They use that type of terminology. Or the reality of a situation. The truth is, she respects your work. That's from the American Heritage Dictionary, the English language, 5th edition. That's the world's definition of truth. But if you'll just simply type in a search engine, define truth or truth defined, you'll find there's a lot of options. Uh, Biblically or biblical truth, truth philosophically, uh, absolute truth. Absolute truth is a statement that is true at all times and in all places. It is something that is always true, no matter what the circumstances. It is a fact that cannot be changed, and I agree with that. Objective truth. Objective truth is the idea that some things are true for all people, no matter what their culture or religious beliefs. So all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is an objective truth. And whether they think they are or not doesn't matter. Uh, Same thing about the existence of hell. People say, I don't believe in hell. That doesn't change the reality that it is a real place. So objective truths are fundamental truths that do not depend on our opinions or our perceptions. give you an illustration of that. Uh, Fire is hot. We all know that. And you say, you want to learn it? Stick your hand in the fire. You'll find out the hard way. Or stick your favorite toy in the fire and find out you, it, it's fire is hot. And we need food to survive. That is a likewise an ob- objective truth. If you don't eat, you die. That's all there is to it. Uh, I appreciate the men making sure I have plenty of water. But if you have a bottle of water, you can look on it. It has zero nutrients. Zeros all the way down the page. Zero. Zero calories. But if you don't drink this, you'll die. You might last a little while, but your kidneys will finally shut down and the impurities in your body will back up and you'll die a pretty agonizing death if you don't drink water. And yet we measure it as having zero nutrients and zero uh, profitability to you. You know, it's all zeros. I want to pick up, you know, get me a ginger ale that says 140 calories. But if all you do is drink ginger ale, you'll probably kill yourself as a, die as a diabetic from drinking all that sugar. Truth. All of us are giving our lives to something. Every one of us. You might not view it that way, but every one of us is spending our life, our time, on something. And that something is what we value and we put value upon it because we believe it to be a real commodity or a real thing in our life. All of us are giving our lives to something. 
Well, we can give our lives to self. You could read the book of Ecclesiastes and find where Solomon said, I gave my uh, life to know, gave, you know, brought all these things in, singing women, drinking wine, all kinds of stuff, beautiful paintings, beautiful gardens, all this kind of stuff. And he got down to the end and he said, all of this is vanity and vexation of spirit. In other words, there's nothing to it. It doesn't last. Uh, look in the book of Galatians with me for a minute. We're going to look at a few places and pick up some scripture. Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter number 5, verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest or unveiled or revealed. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I believe I've got the right place. Yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse number 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, either fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Those last two describe the homosexual movement. In that, in that uh, union between them, one always is the male partner, one's a female partner in those settings. And so both of those are named right here, effeminate and abusers of themselves of mankind. I know that that is contrary to what a lot of folks think in our day. That uh, they, they believe that people were born homosexual or born lesbian or born whatever else they might claim to be. No, it's an aberration. It's sin. Uh, somewhere along the line, a choice was made. A uh, instruction was given that, that warped people's minds and bent them a certain direction. And so it's, it's a sin and you know, I know younger people than me uh, don't, maybe don't view this as harshly as I do, but it is a critical th attack on the function of the family in the United States of America and really, I guess, around the world. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if we had to stop there, that'd be awful. But notice, and such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of, of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So we believe that these folk can be redeemed, that they don't have to stay caught in the sin pattern in which they are living. Ephesians chapter number 2, Ephesians 2, verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, that's us, we're not Jews, uh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That is a description of someone who is living for self. I know it names individual sins, 
But you can hang whichever sin you want to in there. This is a description of someone who is living for themselves instead of living for what the Word of God teaches, living for our Creator. I, I got a, a couple more. Look in the book of Psalms. Psalm 10. Psalm 10. Oh, Brother Job, what a life he led. I would not wanted to go through what Job went through. His name's written in the record of the Word of God, but my soul, what he went through was terrible. Psalm 10 and verse number 4, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. Now listen, God is not in all his thoughts. That's an ungodly person. That is someone who is living for self, who has ruled out surrendering authority of their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, said, I'll make my own way. I'll beat my own drum. I'll decide how things go in my life. You know, the Lord has given us a certain measure of liberty that if we decide that we don't want to have anything to do with God, we can have it. And that is living for self. Living for self. Matthew chapter 19, I'll give you one more and I'll be done uh, with this. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? That's a, not an unusual question, but it's the question of the ages. What must I do to be saved? And he, Jesus, said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. That's all character things. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, the young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He didn't fit, by the way, the, these rules that he, the, the Lord gave out. He said, I've kept all those since I was born. And the Lord had to point out his weakness. His weakness was he loved money. He loved self more than anything else. So we're all giving our lives to something. Could be we're going to give our, give our life to use it on ourselves. Whatever satisfies me, whatever makes me happy. I don't care how it affects anybody else. They'll just have to deal with it. I am allowed to make my own decisions. Yes, that's true. And, but you will hurt those around you. Others in a slavish sense... Try to make good works that will get them into heaven. And the Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy has saved us. Acts chapter 16 and verse 30, Paul and Silas are in jail and the, the earthquake comes, the, all the doors pop open, all the handcuffs fall off, all the stocks break loose. And the, the jailer's about to kill himself. Paul says, do thyself no harm, we're all here. And he asks for a light and he jumps into the lower chamber where Paul and Silas were being kept, and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
And as long as that's where you are, you're a slave. You're a slave. Sin has dominion over you. You're either living for yourself or you're trying to work your way into heaven. And both of those are negatives. Neither one is a positive. They won't work. Well, what about spiritual things? I'm going, let me get spiritual. Okay. Feel good religion. There's a lot of that going on today. A lot of it. Uh, I, I do read a little bit about some things like that. I watch a little bit of things here and there and pick up some things. Gold dust falling out of the ceiling. I, you know, angel feathers dropping out of the ceiling. All that is is a lie. A self-perpetuated lie that works up the energy of the flesh and becomes feel-good religion. Listen, my God can do anything He wants to do. He could turn these pews into gold if He wanted to. There's no, no reason for God to do that. You don't find any biblical uh, background for such a thing as that. But could God do it? Well, I think because since He made the universe, yes, He could. But that's not how God has chosen to work according to His Word. Man-centered, feel-good religion. They used to call it seeker-friendly churches. Make sure the music is a certain way. I read Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Church. I read it. He said they had tried everything from reggae to country and western at the church. And he said, we just kind of settled on some pop sound and different stuff. And he said, music is amoral. It's amoral. That's not so. Now, I realize these illustrations I'm about to give are ancient as dinosaur jelly, but I am too, so. You ever heard uh, John Philip Sousa, 76, trombone, da da dee 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 you know, kind of a lilting type of a song? And there's nothing immoral about that song in the, the least little bit. Then you have the Rolling Stones singing, let's spend the night together. Or in between the sheets. Don't tell me music is amoral. It can be immoral. Sometimes even the rhythm that's built into it is, is a big negative. And so we're, we start talking about feel-good religion. Well, then if I want to feel good, then I'm going to take this kind of music that I like. And I'm going to sprinkle Christian words all over it. And that's what we're going to sing. And we'll have the kind of music that I like and uh, that I listen to on my radio when I'm out away from church. That's feel-good religion, and there's quite a bit of it going on. I'd rather have a song sung that tells me something about heaven, about my Savior. Uh, a mighty fortress is my God is, is not maybe the most uh, upbeat, uh, snappy type of a song, but my soul, if you'll read all the stanzas, it tells a great story. Uh, about our Savior conquering the devil and how that we could not conquer the devil. I, I want songs with doctrinal uh, content and doctrinal input, you see. So man-centered religion. Now there's feel-good there's feel religion, but then there's biblical religion. And in biblical religion, you can have abundant life and joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you're not enjoying being saved, it's not God's fault. You just hadn't figured it out yet. 
Uh, the Lord wants us to enjoy Him. Uh, I'm not enduring the trip to heaven. I'm enjoying the trip to heaven. Are there some difficulties along the way? Are there things that bruise my heart and cause the tears to gush out of my eyes? Yeah, sure. But you're going to have those anyway. Listen, if atheism is the basis, and if uh, truth is movable like they say, then you having a health issue in your life has zero purpose at all. You ever known any children who were born afflicted? I have. Known many through the years. And if there is no higher purpose than to just exist and die, then those children were brought into a world with zero usefulness, and all they are is just a, a burden to their parents, and when they die, it'll lift the burden. That's if you remove God out of the equation. But special needs children are given to special people. I found out through the years. You remember Matt and Danielle Lindy, they, uh, they, they prayed after they had Abby that God would give them another special needs child. Christians, you see, have joy unspeakable and full of glory. What did Jesus say? I have meat to eat that you know not of. The world doesn't understand what in the world. Hey, they're driving by and seeing these cars out here and seeing them crazy folks, them Baptists down there, go to church on Sunday night. They could just be at home with their feet up, drinking a Pepsi and eating a pizza and enjoying life. Now, I'm going to tell you, I like what we're doing here. I, last Sunday night, we had a great service. I enjoyed the presence of the Lord. Amen. Abundant life, joy unspeakable and full of glory. I've got to make sure that I get my taste buds changed. You know, if you never start giving a child sugar, they won't crave it. But if you start giving them sugar, they want more. <laughs> They'll crave it. I remember when George H.W. Bush was, was president. That's getting on back a day or two, isn't it? And he hated broccoli. Y'all remember that? And said he wasn't eating any broccoli. It was a big deal, but it was kind of a humorous big deal. But they started talking about what broccoli does for you. And they said, raw broccoli is a real good anti-cancer agent. And I said, I don't care what it tastes like. I'm going to eat some. Why? If it'll help me not get cancer, I don't mind eating it. It's, it's like picking up a bunch of grass and chewing on it. I don't like it steamed. Maybe you do. I don't like it in a casserole. I like it raw is the only way I can eat it. But I will eat it. And I've learned that when I eat it now, it tastes pretty good, especially if you're eating something else with it. What happened? My appetite changed. As long as you've got an appetite for the things of the world, you will not have an appetite for the things of God like you should. That's living for self. All of us are giving our lives to, to something. Truth demands something of us. John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So we've got to cope with reality. Not what you want it to be. And you can't deny truth by ignoring it or, or downplaying it. It doesn't change reality. So we've got to learn to cope with reality. Truth demands that out of us. That's why you have some folks who've got these movable goalposts. Well, I used to think that was true, but it's gotten too hard, so now I'm going to move. Can I just get real plain with you for a little bit? 
these churches where the pastors used to take a stand against homosexuality and sin and preach about sin amongst Christians. And all of a sudden it's become too hard. It's become too difficult. We're going to swim upstream. It's going to cost us people if we take a stand on these things. And so they've gotten a new revelation. Got some kind of new teaching. And I could call some names of some folks. I'll be kind and not do it. But if you ask me after service, I can give you two names of big name preachers that you'd recognize immediately. One of them even said, we don't even need the Ten Commandments anymore. We just kind of make them like suggestions and different things. And we just need to disconnect from the Old Testament and be engaged. All right, come on, join our church. That's apostasy. And that, what that is, is giving up on truth and reality and moving the goalposts. I wonder where they'll move them to next time. A lot of churches already won't preach against abortion. Won't say a word about it. Never mention it. Listen, it's wrong to kill the baby. You say, well, it's, it's inconvenient time for me to have a child. You, you know, uh, it takes two. And if you've produced a child, if you do not want to keep that baby, there's a lot of people be glad to adopt a child. Our society has made adoption almost impossible by the average family. It costs anywhere from fifteen to $30,000 to adopt a child. So it's just easier to abort them. Abortion sin. That's all there is to it. The cases where a mother would die if she went through a natural childbirth, there are options that they can do. There's things they can try. And my advice is always give life a chance. Do the best you can for that baby. Truth demands something out of us. There's a declaration of morality involved with truth. If you'll notice those texts we read about the flesh, talked about adultery and fornication and lasciviousness, that's covering every piece of uncleanness you can possibly imagine. Uh, some folks say adultery is for, for married people and fornication for unmarried. I look at fornication as an umbrella under which all those things fall. It's all kinds of immorality. It's where we get our word pornography. They tell me, I hope it's not true, but they tell me that in the average church, about half of the men or more are viewing pornography on a semi-regular basis. That'll suck all the wind out of your sails, fellas. Make you difficult to deal with. And hurt your marriage. Stay, stay away from those things. We have to declare morality. Now, when you decide, I don't want to have these absolutes in my life, well, you can choose postmodernism if that's what you want. And you can have your truth, but I want to tell you, your truth will lead you to hell. The Bible says, there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the what? The ways of death. And a lot of people have chosen that. Pilate said, what is truth? Well, truth doesn't bend for us. Liberalism is in the business of bending the document to meet the day. They try to bend this Bible to, to, uh, down to our level of culture. Instead of us taking our culture and applying the Scripture to it and changing our culture. 
Liberalism wants to rewrite the Bible. And they have in many cases. Liberalism wants to have a living constitution. The, on our United States Supreme Court, uh, Scalia was probably, and, and Thomas were probably the two best originalists that we had on the, on the Supreme Court. And what their position was, when I read the text of the Constitution, it means what it says. And it's not something that you can expand and change. The Constitution is not a living document in the sense that it continually changes. That's an excuse to do something that the Constitution is opposed to and against. And so when you take that position on politics, it's probably because you're taking that same kind of position on this book right here. I can bend and twist and change it. Uh, f- women preachers. Women preachers. It's a big issue in the Southern Baptist Convention right now. They've had... Uh, established a study, take a whole year to figure out what a pastor is. You'd think they already knew that by now. They've been in existence since 1845 or so, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere back then. And so they're trying to figure out what women can do in the, in the pulpit. Well, listen, the Bible says, I'll not suffer a woman to, to teach or usurp authority over the man. And so ladies are not allowed in the ordained ministry. Now, does that mean I've never learned anything from a lady? I want to tell you, I've had some older women teach me some things in conversation and going back and forth talking that helped me in my life. So it's not like I'm trying to say that women can't be used at all, but they can't be pastors. God doesn't allow that. They can't be deacons. God doesn't allow that. I didn't set that up. God did. But some folks say, well, that was just for back then. This is today, and we take a different view on those things, and so it's okay today. But it wasn't back then. It wasn't all right in that particular church. That's not the way the Bible is to be read nor applied. Truth doesn't bend for us. It doesn't bend. You can salve your conscience by picking your own truth, but it won't work. The, the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, and the, verses 1 through 4, talks about having your conscience seared with a hot iron. The sin, repent, sin again, hypocritical cycle. Probably every one of us has fought this battle, at least to some degree. We have something in our life that we struggle about. We falter. We are grieved and we're guilty about it. By the way, guilt's your friend. It's like feeling pain. If you don't feel pain, you won't know if you're being injured. Guilt reminds us you've done the wrong thing. We repent. I sin, I repent, I get right with, with God, and if I'm not careful, I'll go back to sinning again. And we'll establish, at least a, in a measure, a hypocritical cycle. I wouldn't ask for a show of hands. We'd be embarrassed to have to admit that we've been through this kind of a cycle. But probably every one of us has to some point. You can't save your conscience. You need to make sure you get things right. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The relief from this hypocritical cycle of sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent. The relief comes when you finally lay it out before the Lord and simply ask for and receive forgiveness. It doesn't have to feel a certain way. 
It doesn't have to cause you to do a certain thing at that particular moment. When you trust the Lord for forgiveness, you believe Him no matter what your feelings are. Your feelings will follow the facts. Your feelings will follow your good actions. Do not live on your feelings. That bends truth. Liberalism. That's the thought that man can design his own salvation. That's Pilate. What is truth? You're telling me, I, I don't know if you're the truth or not. What do you mean? What is truth? He had all these Roman gods that he worshipped. And he worshipped the emperor. Liberalism has always been the thought that man can design his own salvation. They deny certain basic truths. Well, you know, we don't want to preach about that blood. That would offend the ladies in church. They don't want to hear about a bloody slaughterhouse religion. And I guess it could be preached in such a way as to be offensive. But my soul, Jesus suffered in your place and in mine. And we cannot downplay the blood. It makes light of sin. And because it makes light of sin, therefore it's making light of grace. Sin is worse than you and I imagine. <laughs> it does more damage than you and I imagine. It grieves the, the precious Holy Spirit of God when you and I sin. And we get that deadness. And it seems like your prayers don't get much above the top of your head. Certainly not even through the ceiling before they fall to the ground. Why? Because we've allowed sin in. And we've made light of it. Never, ever make light of your sin. Listen to what the Bible says. The wages of sin is death. It didn't say the wages of big sin. Catholicism has venal and mortal sins. Venal sins are stuff like you stole something and it costs less than $40. Mortal sin is if it costs $40 or more. And mortal sins are the ones that send you to hell. All sin, generically, for the wages of sin, generically, is death. There's no exception to that. You say, well, all I do is lie just a little bit. All I do is read a little something I shouldn't read. All I do is just a little something over here. Be sure your sin will find you out. <laughs> but don't make light of your sin. Liberalism denies the common faith, denies the common salvation. They, they're glad for you and I to have our salvation. It doesn't bother them, but they're not interested in it themselves. They'll call us backwoods, illiterate, unlearned, ignorant. Uh, I don't think I am any of those things. I have a, a couple of three degrees, uh, one honorary degree. Pastor Taylor's working on his master's now. And, uh, Andrew Adams has been working on his master's. I don't think we're illiterate, unlearned, and ignorant. Brother Lance is a pilot. Brother Terry knows how to run cranes and stuff like that. Man, getting those things set and balanced and leveled and all that stuff and moving things. you got to know what you're doing. We've got uh, air traffic controllers here in church. So we're not ignorant, backwoods, illiterate folk who don't understand anything. And we still get our old hymn books out and sing, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Liberalism promotes wokeness read an article where a pastor wrote a book 
uh, about wokeness. He's a member of the free church denomination. And they called him in and disciplined him for daring to write that book because it called them out for their wokeness. Promotes wokeness and social justice and critical race theory. Everybody wants justice. But when you hear that catchphrase, social justice, what they mean is not equality of opportunity, but equality of outcome. And those are two totally different things. Everybody ought to start at the same place. Every school ought to be a good school. I read an article a man put up and he said uh, that white people only believe that a, a school's good if it doesn't have any African Americans in it. And I thought, well, where did he get that? That's certainly not something I believe. I don't think any of you believe that either. But evidently somewhere along the line, he either saw that at some place or somebody told him that and that's his position. But everybody ought to start. We ought to give all of our children a good education. And by the way, they need to quit teaching a lot of things they're teaching and just start teaching math and English and writing and, and get out of interpersonal relationships and stuff like that. Well, what we hold is true does some things for us. Remember, Pilate asked that question, what is truth? Conformity to fact we will live what we believe. So how you are living right now is how you're believing right now. Where are you in relationship to the Lord? Is He something that's at arm's length, way over, and you have to run over there and get a hold? Or is it something that's close and personal, and you're applying Scripture to your life every single day of the week? Conformity to fact we will live what we believe. Influences. Well, what we hold as true does influence us. But I think we could use the word it establishes our world view. Look in the book of 1 John chapter 5 with me for just a moment. 1 John chapter 5. Verse number 19, and we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. What a shock it was to me to suddenly come to grips with the fact the entire world's a lie. Everything about it. The devil is doing everything he can to keep us from seeing things spiritually like we ought to see them. And Satan will do whatever he can to keep you from serving God, whatever it might be. He's the God of this world, the Bible says. And so he's involved with doing what? Uh, he's involved with this world system alluring people and drawing them. This verse right here, verse 19, says three things. Number one, it gives us assurance of salvation. And we know that we are of God, assurance of salvation. Then it turns around and tells us that this world system is under the control of Satan. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 4 tells us that. Now, what does that leave us with? It leaves us with this. Don't fall for the world's lie. 
1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. 1 John 2 and verse 15. Probably some of you could quote this to me. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Is he telling you not to love your wife? Well, certainly not. Is he telling you not to love your children? Certainly not. Is he saying you can't love the, the mountains or the beach? No. What he's saying is don't let this world system that's lying in wickedness pull you away from the things of God, whatever it might be. If whatever you're doing, the result is it pushes you further away from God, you need to stop it, even if it's your job. A number of years ago, I was asked by a man, he was, had a job and he was delivering beer. And he said, it's a good job, preacher. I make a lot of money. I got to take care of my family. And I just told him, I said, you asked me, and the only thing I know to tell you is that God puts a curse on alcohol and you need to find another job. He found another church. We didn't argue, we didn't fight, we just disagreed. And so don't fall for this world's lie. And at that point, in my opinion, that's what he was doing. The money, I'm, I'm not drinking it, I'm not forcing anybody to drink it, da-da-da-da-da, whatever excuse you want to use. There's pleasure in sin for a season. A fellow named Moses found that out. But he refused, he chose the reproach of Christ rather than enjoy the riches and pleasures of sin for a season in Egypt. What we hold is true establishes our world view, our meta-narrative, they call it. How do I look at everything? And the Bible says the whole world lieth in wickedness. Look at our politics. Did any of us dream that our political uh, people were as corrupt as we found out over the last five or six, seven years? I mean, we knew there was some corruption, always been. You can't make $175,000 a year and be worth $100 million without something going under the table. So we knew there's some stuff going on. But my soul, we're like a, a third world country, a banana republic, with the corruption that is in our government today. Well, we're not the only people. You know, they had to kick Prince Andrew out from over there in England because he's involved with that Mr. Epstein, the uh, pedophile who owned an island. There's a lot to that story, believe you me, a lot to that story. The world lieth in wickedness. So the only place I'm going to be able to get truth I can rely upon is right here. It's of God that two plus two equals four. God's a God of order. The sun is going to get up in the east. It's not going to get up in the north. It's not going to come up in the west. The sun is going to come up in the east and set in the west. Why? Because our God's a God of order. The earth is set at exactly the right tilt of its axis so that we get the proper amount of sunshine and, and warmth and the proper amount of coolness that we need. All that's balanced out by the God who made the universe. And then along comes some pipsqueak who says there is no God, begins to deny those things and tries to undercut everything. 
What meta-narrative, what worldview will you have without the Bible? Just look around. They now have gaberhoods, not neighborhoods, gaberhoods, where you can't go if you're a normal straight person and be a witness and pass out tracts. They'll yell and scream at you and do all kinds of stuff. We live in a world that college kids who have no concept of why they're doing it are hating on Israel and supporting Hamas. The word Hamas, right, Brother Don, means violence. That's what the word means. Islam, the word is supposed to mean peace. But if you look in Genesis 6, when it talks about violence filling the whole world, the word for violence is Hamas. If you knew what they'd done, you'd say kill them too. What kind of worldview are we going to have if we take the Bible out? Just look and see what's going on. For some people, it's all about money. <laughs> Whether they steal it or however they get it, as long as they get it, they don't care. They don't care about anybody else. don't care who they hurt. I read a, a thing that atheists wrote and talked about atheists want this and they want good education and they want good roads and da-da-da. And that's why atheism is better. And said atheists want hospitals and stuff. And then somebody said under it, why didn't you build one? Have you run across Atheist Memorial Hospital in your journeys? How about Free Thinkers Medical Clinic? No, but what you have found is there are Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Jewish hospitals that liberals have tried to steal, just like they've stolen our universities. Harvard University was founded to train preachers. Look it up. Colgate. Brown, Dartmouth, those schools were established to train preachers. Liberals snuck in, like we've been looking at in the book of Jude, and they stole the place. And I wouldn't want a preacher that graduated Harvard University. Not today. Not with what they believe. What kind of worldview are we going to have without the Bible? Well, have the one that was willing to crucify the Savior. Because they don't know what truth is. If Pilate had known that Jesus was the truth, he'd have died defending him. But he wasn't open to learning that. He, he was of the opinion there wasn't any objective truth. And so he allowed the Son of God to be scourged, to be stripped naked, to be nailed to a cross and hanging between heaven and earth. And it was like men down here on earth shaking their fist in the face of God. We don't want him. You can have him back. That's what a worldview without the Bible does. It destroys. It doesn't build. I would plead with you. Understand that this entire world lieth in the lap of wickedness. Doesn't mean you've got to be scared you're going to step on a demon when you get out in the center aisle or out in the roads but it means that the system of the earth the system of the world is bent towards teaching us ungodliness not godliness heads are bowed and eyes are closed father done the best I knew how to deal with this issue tonight 
I'm so thankful that Jesus is the truth. I'm so grateful that the Holy Ghost of God is here with us to guide us into truth. Father, I pray that you'd help our young folks to lean upon the arm of Christ. Help those of us that are mature, Father, to live a life that testifies this world lies in wickedness, but we're in Christ. May we live different, not just for the sake of difference, but for the sake of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.